Uh, we're going to turn to page 481 if you've got the Pew Bible. Uh, if not, you kind of go to the middle of your Bible and probably fish around and find the Psalms. And we're in Psalm 67. We began a series on Psalms last week, and now we're in Psalm 67. We did start with 65, so we hadn't gone through the first. <laughs> um, and you should have a handout that we'll refer to uh, a bit as we go along. Psalm 67, page 481 in the Pew Bible. And you might have noticed that we sang Psalm 67, an excellent uh, poetic version of it uh, to start our our worship. Uh, So these very statements have been put in verse to us uh, It's a great thing to take home as well. So Psalm 67, verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. That's the reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Lord, bless us, we pray, to understand your word. And Lord, to apply it to our hearts, to Embrace with all of our heart what is on your heart, Lord, the world, the world to know God, the world to glorify God in Jesus Christ, the world to see the beauty and majesty and love of the God who made the world. Oh, Lord, bless us that this will be our hearts, that we will be liberated, that we will be continually transformed that we would be people with hearts for your world, hearts for the lost. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Our, our title is uh, For the Sake of the Lost. And it brings us to an interesting book that you can catch online. And I'm going to uh, quote from here. And it's um, trying to get something ready on my phone for later. It's dog thought theology versus cat theology. Okay, so this is not a cat bashing thing, even though the cat theology is not what we want. We want the dog theology. I was raised with cats. I know cats are cool. Cats are athletic. Uh, they can be cuddled, they have fascinating personalities if you get to know them, and they're funny because they think they're cool, but when they get scared, they really get scared, and they're funny. So, not cat bashing, but uh, it's an illustration. So, cat and a dog could be praying, bless our church, okay? The cat would tend to mean this. Father, you know we need a new, this is a little radical, but you know we need a new gymnasium for the youth. 
And God, our, our parking lot is so crammed. We're, we're losing people. Our numbers are going down. And, and God, the organ really is getting old or piano, not to mention the carpeting. We just ask you to put it on the hearts of some of the richer people in our church to give until it hurts so that we'll receive your blessings. Okay, that's a cat prayer. Um, just for the purpose of illustration. The same prayer from a dog, bless our church. He could mean something like this. Lord, give us wisdom in reaching the young people in our area and give our youth a hunger and vision for taking your glory overseas. And Lord, show us which people group you'd like us to adopt. Father, we also pray for a foothold into the inner city. We see so little glory shining in that area. And there are so many international families living here. Show us how to reach them for your glory. Cat theology, dog theology. Cat prayers, dog prayers. So basically, they say, cats are praying... Lord, we come boldly before you and ask you to help us build our kingdom. Cats pray for the things they desire, the things that will make life more comfortable and easy. It sounds like, Father, please give me, please let me, please bring me. Dogs boldly come before God as well, but they say, Lord, we're here with great faith because we need things from you to advance your kingdom. We want to make you famous in this world. We know you will answer our prayers. It sounds like, Father, let your glory shine in this sickness. Allow your glory to shine in how I'm treating my parents, my spouse, my kids, my neighbors. Father, your glory is not shining in South Africa, in all of North Africa, in India or Pakistan. So, Father, raise up laborers to take your glory to the ends of the earth. I would suggest to you that Psalm 67 is really good dog theology, right? Really good dog theology. Because he prays for blessing in order that your way may be known in the earth. That's why he's asking for this blessing. And so, our title, For the Sake of the Lord... It brings us to our first point, a heart for the lost. And here, I think I would refer you then to this sheet that's been given to you. And at the top, at the bottom of the sheets, just some take-home passages so that you can see this, the same mentality that started way back in Genesis at the beginning of God's people in the world uh, to... Go through Isaiah, the prophets declare that all the nations uh, will be included. And then Simeon, as he sees Jesus in the New Testament as a baby, he declares here he is, the light for the Gentiles. And then at the very end of the Bible, you see in Revelation that people are ransomed from all the people of the world. So, Genesis to Revelation. It's the world. It's always the world. That's the heart of the Bible. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God's people. And so the psalmist, it's interesting, he's using the language of the great prayer of Aaron, the prayer of blessing that you are familiar with. Lord, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you. 
the Lord lift up its countenance upon you and give you peace. Uh, but notice, he's, it's as though he's going through that, the language of that, to get to the heart of Genesis 12. And notice, it says, I will bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And later, as he's saying these same promises to Jacob, in you and your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And the New Testament says the descendants is really one. It's Jesus and his people through Jesus and his people that all the families of the earth be blessed. So it's a, it's a pretty amazing Psalm that embraces the ironic blessing in its language, may his face shine upon you, but it connects it to the original promise to Abraham that may you be blessed so that the nations will be blessed. In you, all nations will be blessed. And so it causes us at every point from throughout the Bible, as we're thinking of God's blessing us, We must always remember that he blesses us so that the world might be blessed, so that our neighbors might be blessed, our communities might be blessed. And that becomes the focus of our prayers. We become dog theologians and not cat theologians because we're praying always for the things that we need in order that we might better make known Jesus Christ and live out the life of Christ. Now, it it doesn't mean that life becomes all evangelism. It just means that we have this outward orientation and our work is done to the glory of God. And in the presence of God, we realize the goodness of work itself and the holiness of work itself as a legitimate uh, thing that God's called us to do. But we also realize, and oh Lord, As I am faithful to you in my work and as I honor you by being responsible and creative and diligent in my work and know your presence in my work, oh, Lord, use me to make you known in this world. There's always this orientation that may God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face shine upon us, that his way be made known. In the earth, and of course, this word "bless" is uh, is a, a wonderful word. Sometimes you may not understand. Well, what does that really mean to bless us? But it means to be to powerfully bring good into our lives, to unfailingly, constantly, always bring good into our lives. The same idea with his face to shine. This word is used to speak of the sun or the moon or the stars shining to give light. And it means to make the love of his smile known to us. The favor and kindness of God so that we have hope and encouragement. And of course, in the New Testament context, because we truly believe that Christ has taken away our sins and that in Christ we have the absolute favor of God. He smiles upon us because he sees us united to his own son. And so this prayer has never had a richer application than God's face shining upon us because we are united in his son. And it actually says, may his face shine with us. 
It's the literal word there. So that it has this idea of accompanying us and guiding us, shining with us as he attends us. And of course, the favor is that as his goodness is poured into our lives, his support and strength, just unbounded, unhindered, shining forth all of the uh, capacity of God into our lives, all of this so that more and more we might be the people who make known Jesus Christ. That's, that's the sense of this prayer. Overwhelming in its realization of the incredible blessing of having the God of the universe giving himself away lavishly to his people. But not so much for this thing, that thing, another thing. So that we have these hearts that long to care for the people around us. That's the blessing of Scripture. It really is. That's the blessing of being like Jesus. Now, if you're asking for some other blessing from God than other, uh, fundamentally, being like Christ, I'm telling you, you're barking up the wrong tree. I'm just telling you, that's not what God's about. Ultimately, in the final uh, new heavens and new earth, physical blessings abound. But in this life, there's a lot of different conditions that you may be in. But God will not turn away from doing you good to make you like Christ. And even in verse 6, he brings in the harvest. You find out that this is perhaps even uh, written at the time of harvest because you look at the abundance of the harvest and it points you to the greater harvest of people in the world. And in our context, it would be not only the harvest as you think about the food that's available, but the abundance that you enjoy is to constantly teach you the abundance that you enjoy can be an abundance of the people of the world coming to know Christ. So I look even for the physical things that I enjoy so richly in this country, and it all the more makes me think, oh Lord, bring your spiritual abundance to this world. That's where he goes in verse 6. He's, he's yielded its increase. He's blessing us, set that so that the whole ends of the earth might be in awe of him. And that word fear, just remember, as Psalm 130 verse 4 says, uh, there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. People come to know God through being forgiven by God. They come to be in true awe and amazement at God and giving their lives up to God when they experience his forgiveness in Jesus Christ. That's the abundance that we look for. This is the prayer that God puts in our lips. This is the, the passion that God will put in our hearts. That this prayer would be live out, lived out in our lives. And secondly, the character for the lost. You see this uh, refrain. You might say this is the chorus of the psalm. is verses 3 and 5 that are exactly exactly repeat each other, which kind of points to the structure of this prayer. It begins, A, verse 1 and 2, God bless us. B is, let the peoples praise you. In the middle of the psalm is verse 4. It's like the clasp that holds it all together. Then you back out to B again, uh, let the peoples praise you. And then you back to A at the beginning, 
Bless us, Lord. Okay? So it's that funny word, chiasm, uh, where you go into a point and you come back out to where you started. And the question, though, how could the nations ending up end up praising you like this? How the people's going to praise you? How are all the people's going to praise you? Well, it's because they will see the grace of God in our lives and how God brings his mercy and forgiveness into our lives so that the people, the nations, will begin to see the gracious rule of God, the gracious rule that has set Jesus Christ there to offer himself for forgiveness and salvation. So they see the gospel in Radiant Israel, so to speak. They see the gospel worked out in our lives. This is how the peoples begin to praise him. So that as God changes us and affects us in our joy, uh, our joy in worship and fellowship and ministry and uh, our changes, our, our, our being liberated from sin. Uh, and he may smite us or Strip us or even slay us, but he will bless us to be like Christ. And that's what we submit to Christ to start with. Lord, do with me whatever you will. I may lose so much as I serve you. Lord, may you be glorified in my life. May you be honored in my life. May I lift up your beauty and goodness that has broken into my life. To give me forgiveness and hope forever. Lord, may that be made known in this world. And God is a holy workaholic. Always figuring out another way, the best way to get the best things to us. To give us what we need that we might be the people who make known Christ to the nations. I love how Spurgeon puts this. Our love must make long marches. He means marching to the whole world. Our love must make long marches. And I want to go back to our dog and cat to close out this little section on character because I think this is one of the most important aspects of character and and one of the reasons that ultimately the nations will praise God and the nations will recognize the, the amazing rule of God in our lives. So here's a chart, and this is basic cat uh, theology chart. So this way is glorifying God. No, this way is comfort. This way is glorifying God. So in cat theology, the more comfort you get, the more you glorify God. It's just a wonderful upward, this is the ultimate health and wealth gospel, right? You just keep glorifying God because you're getting more comfortable, you're getting more stuff, you're getting more things. Life is better and better. Ah, dog theology, though, it goes this way, but sometimes it embraces willingly and eagerly, sometimes eagerly, at least hopefully, that when it points down and comfort is removed, What direction is it still going? Glorifying God. Glorifying God. And in dog theology, that may be up or down. It doesn't matter whether there's more comfort or less comfort. The issue is glorifying God. 
That's really a sign that we have be- are becoming more and more like Christ because what did Christ do? Christ didn't regard, as uh, Paul writes in Philippians, this equality with God, this being in the image of God, something to hold on to and grasp and, and not let go uh, this aspect of his dignity and glory to sacrifice himself, especially for sinners who had rebelled against him. But no, he poured himself out lavishly, Paul says, and he became a servant, even to the point of death, even to the death on the cross. And cat theology says, yeah, but he suffered so that I don't have to. He suffered so that I can have everything good. No, he suffered so that you could have his character. The character of a person so liberated that your heart is moving away from yourself to others, even if you lose everything. You're lost in the joy of giving yourself away to others. That's the character that is going to change the world. So we have this heart for the world. We, by God's grace, and a character that... that follows those prayers, that that heart for the world. And then our message for the lost, notice the word uh, saving power in verse 2, that your way may be known. What way? Your saving power. Usually this word is translated salvation. This is only two places where ESV translates it saving power, but it can be translated saving uh, salvation. This, interestingly, is the same word from which you get the root for Joshua, which in late Hebrew was changed to Yeshua, which of course became Jesus. And that's why in Matthew 1 it says you'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So to speak of his salvation, to speak of, to know his saving power and his salvation, ultimately in the Bible certainly is to know the Savior, the one who is Jesus who saves people from their sins to know and trust the Lord Jesus Christ who has made known God's amazing love by sacrificing himself for sinners in this world. And so in Christ, they see the graciousness of this God who rules the world. They see that you mean the God who rules the world, the God who made the world, is a God who sacrifices himself for others. You're telling me that? That's the God? Yeah, that's what we're saying. And that's the true God. That's the real God. It's not the fake God that man makes up. It's not the Greek gods are all about themselves. It's not the pagan idols who are all to consume people and use up people. No, this is a God who spends himself for people. And guess what? That's the real God. And he's come in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the message. And it's striking in verse 4 when it says to guide the nations upon the earth. It's the same word for shepherd. Isn't that an interesting thought? That God is out to shepherd the peoples of the earth. To make known the love of Christ to the peoples of the earth. And to shepherd them. They are on his heart, his shepherd's heart. Glorious. 
Well, I'm going to close in these last few minutes to talk about um, a book and a website and an app. And you can even get your phones out for this one. Oh, boy, yay! I've been wanting to give out my phone for now an hour, I mean, for 52 minutes. And so now... Um, so remember this operation world, okay? Been in existence for years. I've had several editions of their book that takes you through all the nations of the world so that you can pray with some knowledge of what's going on in every nation of the world. Now, now it's more convenient than ever, as in everything else. Their uh, website, you can go there and sign up and get a daily email that comes into your box and it's that day's prayer for a particular nation. But it's best on your phone. You can just download the app. If you want to download the app right now, I'm giving you permission. Uh, Operation World, and it'll come in pretty fast and you'll have it. And let me just show you what... So in this, after the first uh, the first maybe week or so, you pray for the whole world, different aspects of the whole world. Then through the first week in February, you play, pray for larger sections of the world. But then after the second week of February, you start alphabetically going through all the nations of the earth. So Afghanistan... Albania, Algeria, and you get to the very end, and you've got Yemen, Zambia, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is Christmas Eve and Christmas. And then the last week, world leaders and some other things. Now, I wonder where we are right now. Ah, we're in the eyes, okay? India and China, because like a billion or so people in each of them, they get two weeks each, like, 25% of the world's population, maybe so, right? Let's spend some extra time. Today, we're, we're past India and we're to Iran. And by the way, I looked it up. It's not Iran. It's not Iran. It's E. One person says it's like E-E-E-R-O-N. O-R-O-N Iran. Okay. Now, so I turn to Iran Today, it's right there, just pops up uh, 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 when you open the app. Massive numbers of Iranians came to Jesus in recent years from only 500 Muslim background believers in 1979. Estimates suggest the number is now at least 100,000. Some say as many as a million. The church in Persia has not grown this fast since the 7th century In Iran, a person can receive a death sentence for apostasy, abandoning religious faith. This growth is a remarkable move of the Holy Spirit with many signs and wonders, dreams and visions. Now, that's when I click on the word prayer. Then I click on stats. I get the population. I get how what the major religion is. I get what number of Christians there are. Then I check on more because there are three days with Iran, okay? Get three days to pray for Iran. There's six pages of more. Uh, It's about the Iranian diaspora, the scattering of Iranians throughout the world, where they tell you that there are 200,000 Iranians scattered around the world, and there are 800 churches of Iranians in the world. 
And it talks about the, another page, the young people in Iran, that that's one of the major goals and effective ministries among the young people. Then it talks about media in Iran and what the radio and the TV and uh, other things, uh, Bibles and, and printing. Uh, and anyway, so you've got all of these opportunities to pray for Iran. And they have, uh, on, they also on their website, you can download this immediately, Persecuted Church Prayer Devotional that has 50 countries that are suffering the worst persecution in the world, numbered from the worst to the least of those suffering. Iran, right behind North Korea, Saudi Arabia, Iran. And so just, just what I've said today, just this much, you've learned stuff about Iran you, you didn't know. You know things to pray for Iran. And you do this for three days, and Iran has had a place in your heart that Iran never had before. I betcha. I betcha. Brothers and sisters, isn't this one of the greatest ways for us to apply? Lord, be gracious to us and bless the nations. Praying for them systematically. Imagine what several years of praying through the nations can do for you to keep your heart and to realize I'm not the only human being and we're not the only country and we're not the only church. We're not the only denomination. Oh, Lord, keep our hearts out there. And also, you can order hard copy or ebook, Window on the World, which is a beautiful illustrated book for children. I mean, it just reads. In fact, I'm going to get it from me, you know, but it's just a beautiful illustration. Uh, and just about the peoples and places of the world, it's fascinating for kids. But then, of course, it also helps them pray for the nations. And I'll just leave you with, uh, with Jacob. Not Tilton, though Jacob Tilton's great, okay? Um, the Jacob of Genesis, to whom that uh, uh, promise is made that you see on that sheet I handed out, that all the peoples of the nations will be blessed in you. So you, some of you know that he had a wrestling match in the middle of the night with an angel, which we don't suggest, you know. Um, it was really rough on him. He The angel's trying to get away. He dislocates his hip socket. After that, the Jews would always put aside that because his hip socket was dislocated. If any of you have had a dislocated uh, joint, shoulder, hip, or anything like that, you know it's like horrible pain. But in the midst of that pain, in the midst of this suffering, he kept holding on to this angel. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me, right? I will not let you go, even though he's agonizing in pain. And the angel changed his name. Angel, of course, represented God at this point. Changed his name at that point to Israel. And you know, the New Testament says you and I are the new Israel. We're the new people of God. Israel means he who strives with God. Strives with God for what? Strives with God, as Jacob did, for God's blessing. A blessing for what? That the nations might be blessed in us. 
That's your name, brothers and sisters. That's your new character. That's the new life of the spirit that God has given you in Christ. To be Israel. (laughs) To be Israel in this world. Israel ended up not doing a great job of manifesting the glory of God to the nations. The new Israel has done much better. But how much more can we do? If we have those hearts for the world. May God give us grace in his name, we pray. Amen. Oh, Lord, draw us after yourself. Give us, Lord, your heart. Give us, Lord, dog theology. Help us to escape our natural cat theology where everything centers on me and my comfort and my well-being and things working out in my life and bad things not happening to me And not having disappointments and not having loss and not having suffering. Lord, we don't welcome these things by nature. We don't ask for them necessarily. But we think of those people who are in persecuted churches. And when they tell us in the West what to pray for, they say, don't pray that the suffering, the persecution will end necessarily. Pray that we will make known Jesus in the midst of persecution. And so, Lord, though we don't want to suffer, we hope we, we want our prayer to be fundamentally glorify your name, Lord, by whatever you choose. And, oh, Lord, enable us in the midst of all the suffering of any kind that we may experience to have this as our central prayer. Lord, glorify your name through what I'm going through. Use me, Lord. Use us to make your name in the earth great. We ask this, Lord, for your glory and honor. Amen.